Hey, 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 what's the buzz and tell me what is a happening? This is the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 41. The kids are calling it the Fantasy Mixtape, or on the Twitter sphere, that's hashtag FF Mixtape. That's F F M I X T A P E. You can follow along on all the cool stuff we're talking about on the mixtape uh, going on there. I'm going to explain this momentarily. Of course, uh, we've got to get to some other stuff. First, we got the music for today was from Trey. I'm sneaking another fish one in you. Technically, it's the Trey Anastasio band. Of course, he's the lead singer of Fish. And his own band really came to prominence during Fish's hiatus, the 2000, right around there, 2002, 2003. Uh, they do some great stuff. I remember going on tour with them a bit during the hiatus, going to Jones Beach, Seeing Mike Gordon come out for the encore, I remember the very first Bonnaroo, what a magical experience that was, but today's song was Push On Till The Day, a favorite of mine from the Trey Band. As always, stay tuned at the end of today's podcast. You can hear Push On Till The Day in its entirety. Really quickly, guys, as you know, we're starting to grow. We are on Blog Talk Radio. We've got sponsors that are uh, plugging in commercials there. Part of the growth of the industry, we're starting to get the machine moving. Uh, I ask that you actually listen to those commercials. That does help us out. Um, Of course, I I try to tantalize you and uh, give you a bit of incentive by giving you the trivia questions when I can. But please listen. And of course, we've got Founders, as you know, as our premier Partner, and just also wanted to give a shout out to a newly opened brewery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's Beer Town, USA. This is Fairway Case Place. He's one of our writers. Uh, he opened Gray Line Brewing Company along with some of his own partners. They are on in Michigan, as I said, Grand Rapids. I did recently tweet out a link to Gray Line, but you can find them on the internet. That is just simply graylinebrewing.com. That is G R E Y L I N E. B-R-E-W-I-N-G. We are open to other sponsorship opportunities. So if you would like to find out how you can advertise with us, become a premier partner, contact me at my email. It's mozambique at pyromaniac.com. That is M-O-Z-A-M-B-I-Q-U-E at pyromaniac.com. All right. You can reach me there. You can also reach out to us on iTunes or wherever it is you download your podcast from. Leave us a review. Subscribe as well. Of course, once you subscribe, the beauty there is you get all the shows automatically sent to your device. And as long as you're there, you might as well take time to leave us a review. Good karma for you, and it helps us. Here is one, very recent one, from uh, Champ One Up. Now, they write a long one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to distill this here to the start. They are by far the most entertaining group that cover fantasy football, hands down. If you don't want to read the rest of the review, please take my first sentence as the microcosm of the review. If you're looking for relatable hosts that say it like it is, that can give you a good laugh while you're either working out, driving to work, or on the subway. The search ends here. I've been listening to these guys for five years now, and I average about three to four leagues a year, and I'm winning at least two leagues a year, and sometimes more. These guys give you angles to consider that the mainstream podcasts don't. And Champ 1-Up goes on. Thank you very much uh, for a wonderful write-up. If you want to get a shout-out, go ahead and drop us a review. 
Who doesn't have two email accounts these days? Most folks do. So I know you can get another review done if you already have one. It will help us. And of course, we will help you in fantasy. That's what we do. That's why we're here. We have no lives. We help you so you can have lives and win fantasy. Okay, now, before I talk about some of the cool stuff we're doing at Pyro these days, and of course the FF mixtape, I have a Mo challenge for you. Man, uh, I opened up a few weeks ago about uh, the death of my brother to violence when I was younger. Every time I turn on the news, there is another random act of violence, another club shooting in Florida, or suicide bombers here, or police snipers there, or what have you. I challenge you. Introduce yourself to one stranger. Here's the challenge. Tell them your name, a bit about yourself. Tell them the goal is to make the world smarter, I'm sorry, smaller, smarter as well, we'll take it, more communicative, a friendlier place where we look upon one another not with suspicion and fear, but with familiarity and kindness. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out, it could be something simple as this. Pardon me, one moment. Just wanted to take the time to introduce myself. I'm Mo, it just seems to me that we spend too much time as a culture fearing the unknown, so here is one less face that you don't know. Again, my name is Mo. God bless you. All I ask, introduce yourself to someone you don't know this week, and let's make this world a bit smaller. Boom, that's it. That is my Mo challenge. I will take it if I can even get one of you to do this. Introduce yourself, smile, make the world a smaller, better place. All right, here we go. Just wanted to remind some folks about You know it, pyromaniac.com, guys. It is so cool. We are going to blow it up this year. The heat index we are creating is going to be out of sight. We are going to be more predictive than ever in our um, rankings. We are going to be tops, let me tell you. we got all kinds of stuff going on over there. Check it out, pyromaniac.com. You can sign up to be a Pyro Pro. There you get the weekly rankings. Write-ups, you're going to get the heat index, what I'm talking about. We're going to unveil soon. The news feeds, you can ask us direct questions, resource toolbox, I'm working on some stuff for that right now. Uh, you can follow up to 100 players, you get all the information uh, sent to you, directly to you, about just your guys, the guys you want to track. That way you don't have all the noise coming at you, we filter that out for you. It is fantastic. Of course on pyromaniac.com we've also got the 2016 Fantasy Draft Kit, over 20 tabs of mass fantasy destructions, sleepers, bust, power rankings. All the traditional stuff, and then we go over the top. Return on investments, snap counts, team tendencies. We include an introspective look at a recent pyro mock draft. We're updating that constantly. Uh, So much more. Both of these are weapons of mass destruction and are on sale from our homepage. That's pyromaniac.com. Guys, just want to remind you. It is that time. You are setting up leagues, so let us give you 10 bucks. That's right. Leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro that is p-y-r-o if you go to leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro not only are they going to take care of the collection not only are they going to take care of the payout at the end of the season they're going to throw 10 bucks in your account just for signing up with the promo code pyro again ten dollar credit all you have to do is have 250 dollars in your league balance and five unique paying members that's it they're going to give you 10 bucks for doing it information is at leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro all right getting down to the nitty-gritty baby i am pyromaniac mo your fantasy shogun you can follow me on twitter at pyromaniac mo that is all letters p-y-r-o-m-a-n-i-a-c-m-o
We are here today for a very cool episode. This is going to be called The Fantasy Mixtape. Follow the discussion and activity pertaining to this show on Twitter using the hashtag FFMixtape, that is F-F-M-I-X-T-A-P-E. You can join others in this cool show and what it is. Eight segments brought to you by those of us involved in the FF Podcast Network. Here's a bit of the background. You heard me mention the FF Podcast Network before. It started as a support group on Twitter independent fantasy podcasts helping one another out and promoting each other's shows. Uh, followers of me, Pyromaniac Mo, will know I often tweet out links to several other great fantasy podcasts. Well, it has grown from there. We now have a Facebook page that is Facebook forward slash FF Podcast Network. There you can find direct links to the various shows involved. Uh, several of us in the network are starting to really cross-promote and do guest spots on each other's shows. In fact, episode 38 of the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, we talked to Duke and Boy from the very same Duke and Boy show. They are a part of the network. In fact, a big shout-out to those boys as they produced the main part of their show. Uh, as a shout-out to the Aussie guys as well, I believe... The mixtape was basically their idea, so we couldn't have gotten it done without either of these guys and everyone else involved in the mixtape. I want to thank you. This has been a really cool thing, and I look forward to doing it again. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. That is FF Mixtape. That talks about the show. And then you can follow links to these other great podcasts on Facebook forward slash FF Podcast Network. For this show in particular, we did some cool stuff. Again, there's about eight shows on here. We all submitted five-minute segments, uh, give or take. In each segment, we talk about three players. So you're going to hear roughly 24 players being talked about. Now, some of the time, we actually go over the same guy. That should just say to you, the listener, that guy's going to be really good. Uh, because more than one show thinks they're going to break out. Uh, you're going to get a bunch of really good fantasy content and a chance to hear some great shows that you might have otherwise missed. So you'll be introduced to several fantasy football podcasts here along the way, as well as some great picks. So, before we get there though, of course, since this is kind of a unique show, I'm going to toss out a trivia question right now before we get going. Matt Forte, the new Jets running back. Of course, he spent eight seasons in Chicago. He was a rookie in 2008, and he has played eight seasons. Now, here's my question. Of those eight seasons, how many times did he finish? So, his total fantasy points. How many times did he finish as a top 12 running back? How many times was he RB1? Think about that while you listen to this. We will be back. All right, gang. I'm Pyromaniac Mo. Welcome Back to the show, the answer to today's trivia question regarding Matt Forte. Again, he spent eight seasons in Chicago. He's moving to the Jets this year. But I asked, how many times has Mr. Forte finished a RB1? How many times has he finished in a 12-team league as RB1? That would be finishing 1 through 12. Again, eight seasons. How many of those did he finish? RB1? 100%. Eight seasons, every single season, he's finished inside the top 
2012. I'm even talking 2011, which he only played 12 games. He still finished inside the top 12. That's remarkable. Every year he's been an RB1. He doesn't get the credit, I don't think, for uh, the longevity and the consistency uh, that he has put up time in and time out again in fantasy football. Again, all eight of his seasons, TPW chart, he has been a top performer uh, week in, week out. It's incredible. Uh, the run he's on, and interested to see what he's got going on and over in the Jets. I know P.K. Ripper, our um, resident Jets fan, is going to be excited to see this as well. Okay, guys, enough banter on my part. We're going to get down to what we're here for, the Fantasy Mix Tape. So kick back, crack open a Valverde, grab a pen and paper, and enjoy. This is Duke and the Boy Show. If you don't know us, I'm the boy. And I'm always joined, unfortunately, by the Duke. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. And we always usually have Gogi here Gogi as well. Gogi is the maestro behind the boards. Yes, he is. So basically what we're here for is to give you our breakouts for the year. A little taste. A now, little taste of the Duke and Boy Show. How we did this was we broke it down to quarterback, a running back, and receiver. So right away I'm going to start with a quarterback for you. Right now, currently being drafted as the QB 19, Matthew Stafford. That is ridiculous. I don't know how many times I need to say this. Last year, second half of the season, under Jim Bob Cooter, maybe the best offensive coordinator in the league. (laughs) Excuse me? Matthew Stafford threw for 19 touchdowns and only two interceptions. Okay? Yep. He is absolutely poised for a big year i know what you're saying calvin johnson's not there anymore that's fine a lot of times matthew stafford really relied on calvin just kind of threw it up there for him he's got golden tate you know a a good uh you know (laughs) possession receiver he's got marvin jones to stretch the field they're expecting big things from eric ebron and of course he's got amir abdullah and theo riddick both out of the backfield i think matthew stafford is poised for a big nice bounce back year duke i know you got a wide receiver for us uh yeah uh, there's a guy who's who people seem to hate especially in twitter a lot of dynasty people do not like this guy uh i'm gonna say kelvin benjamin i mean we saw what he could do his rookie year nine touchdowns a little over a thousand yards he was the apple of cam newton's eye they are best buds best friends um i think that Kelvin Benjamin is going to come right back into his wide receiver one status. Now, he had low-end, I don't know, let's call him a mid-range wide receiver two his rookie year. Last year, he got hurt. He played one preseason game last year. Do you know what he did that one preseason game? I do not. He caught a touchdown. Oh. He played one game, one preseason game, caught a touchdown. I think double-digit touchdowns are a lock, lock for Kelvin Benjamin. He's currently being drafted, uh, let me see here. Take your time, Duke. We're not in a five-minute rush here. <laughs> no, he's currently being drafted in the third round, mid-third round, uh, 3.05. I think he could be top 15 wide receiver in the NFL this year with Cam Newton supposedly taking the next step. I think Kelvin Benjamin is getting a lot of heat for no reason at all. And you can say what you want about the drops. People had a problem with the drops. He had 140 targets, dropped a lot of balls. I don't care. If he catches touchdowns and he catches enough yards, it doesn't matter. I'm looking at 1,200 yards. 10 to 12 touchdowns. All right, well, moving on to running back. This is a guy who, I, again, this is a number one where I'm looking at average draft position right now, 
And he's not even being drafted as a running back two. He's the 25th RB off the board. Ryan Matthews in Philadelphia. Now, I get it. He cannot stay healthy. That's fine. It's not fine. That's kind of a problem. <laughs> it's fine. He's due. Now, here's the thing. Last Wait, you, the reason for the breakout is he's due? He is due to have a healthy season. Come on. Listen, splitting time with DeMarco Murray last year, Yeah. Ryan Matthews was the better back. Averaged over five yards per carry. Zone blocking scheme in Philadelphia works perfect for Ryan Matthews. I, he's the guy. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. If Sam Bradford loses the starting job this year to Carson Wentz and you have a rookie quarterback at the helm, obviously defense is going to play to that. They're going to make them beat them through the air. Do you think that hurts Ryan Matthews just a little bit? I'm sure it could hurt him a little bit. I'm also looking out in Los Angeles, and you got Jared Goff most likely starting quarterback with Todd Gurley. I'm not comparing Todd Gurley to Ryan Matthews, but surely that would affect Todd Gurley's stock. Why would it affect Ryan Matthews' stock here? I think Ryan Matthews is poised to be a low-end running back one this season. Come on. I can't get on board with that. I cannot do that. I'm sorry. I'm done with Ryan Matthews. He flashed a little bit in San Diego. He was pretty goddamn mediocre last year. I don't know. This is your choice, your pick. You want to roll with it? Go ahead. That's what this is all about, but not for me. Gogi, what do you think? Well, Come for those on, of for Gogi. those of you who don't know much about Duke and Boy, we are dukeandboy.com, Duke and Boy podcast. The Duke also once traded Ryan Matthews for Spencer Ware in a dynasty league. So, Take that for what it's worth. And uh, from Duke and Boy, we wish you a good night and enjoy these other podcasts as well. Take care. DukeandBoy.com. Hi there. My name is TJ Smith, and I do a little podcast called TJ Smith's War Room where I discuss fantasy football with an emphasis on the NFL draft. Here are a few of the players you could say are potential breakout players in 2016 and just players I am targeting in general if I can get some good value. I'll start with Marvin Jones. This wide receiver goes from one of the more run-heavy offenses in Cincinnati to one of the more pass-heavy in Detroit. 632 attempts in 2015. Good for fourth overall in the NFL. The retirement of one Calvin Johnson frees up 149 extra passing targets and leaves a void for a number one wide receiver. Jones is a really solid number two wide receiver, but so is Golden Tate. Tate is a great possession receiver, and Jones is a solid deep threat and red zone target. I see an uptick in targets for tight end Eric Ebron, but not enough that it truly takes away from Jones. Don't get me wrong, I like Ebron this year, but I need to see some or any dominance from him before I trust him to take a giant leap. Are there any other wide receivers that get you excited or make you weary that Marvin Jones can't take over a large chunk of this offense? T.J. Jones, Jeremy Curley, Andre Caldwell, Andre Roberts, Corey Fuller? No. We have seen him get 10 touchdowns in a season before. And if you are pointing to a mildly disappointing 2015, I think you are nitpicking. 65 catches for 816 yards and 4 touchdowns is good, not great. But consider that he was coming back from a year missed when he was injured and paired with a target hog in A.J. Green. I don't believe the Detroit run game is going to be a strength of this offense. Amir Abdullah is going to get another shot to prove himself a franchise back, but I have a hard time seeing him get more than 200 inconsistent carries, not to mention the whole fumbleitis thing. I do think that Theo Riddick has a chance to see another 100 targets out of the backfield and basically serve as the wide receiver three for this offense, 
which is great for him but still doesn't affect Jones negatively enough. The defense is shaky enough to create lots of favorable game scripts for the passing game. Other than injury, the only thing that I could foresee holding Jones back is if he doesn't grasp the new offense, but from what I've heard, Jim Bob Cooter, the best name in the business, brought in a very simple offense that the team bought into last year, winning six of their last eight games in 2015. I have Jones projected for about 85 catches, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns in 16 games. Getting him in the ninth or later rounds would be sweet. Next up, Lamar Miller. Miller is already a top pick, but I want to drive this hype train to the top. This could be a huge year for Miller. Already a top running back talent, Houston will finally use him to his potential. In 2014, they led the league in rushing attempts when they had their RB1, Arian Foster. Without Arian Foster in 2015, they were fifth in rushing attempts, throwing out guys like Alfred Blue, Chris Polk, and Jonathan Grimes. I believe they will hardly use these backs at all this year. Lamar Miller has had only one season with over 200 carries. In that season, he averaged 5.1 yards per carry. His career average is a solid 4.6 yards per carry. He had 47 receptions with an 8.4 yard per catch average in limited use last year, proving he can be a dangerous weapon out of the backfield. Miami certainly did not know how to use him. He had to deal with multiple offensive coordinators and inept head coach in Joe Philbin, and it was hard to watch. He is the clear number one back on this team and with his versatility will not leave the field very often. Arian Foster saw 20 attempts per game in 2014, and I think Miller will get around that and catch at least 40 balls. I will also add that Pro Football Focus graded him out as a top three pass-blocking running back in the league. He has dealt with nagging injuries but has not missed a game in three seasons. He has a top 10 defense that will keep them in the game with positive run game scripts. The Texans have their most solid QB in the Bill O'Brien era so far, and I'm confident that with DeAndre Hopkins out there as well as other new receiving talent, it will keep defenses honest, and they will not be able to stack the box. I predict 280 carries, 1,350 yards, and 10 touchdowns on the ground, 50 catches, 400 yards, and 3 touchdowns through the air in 2016 for 16 games. And this may be on the low side. Getting him in the second round is great. But get him in the third, and you just won your league. Lastly, Torrey Smith. After last year, everybody hates Chip Kelly. We were all ready to crown him the new king of fantasy football, but it all came crashing down. Nobody wanted to hire him, but alas, he gets a new opportunity in San Francisco, and we should pay attention to the guys he has and how much value there actually is. The fast-paced Chip Kelly offense in Philadelphia was sixth in passing attempts in 2015 in 2014, it was fifth. The Eagles' number one receiver last year was Jordan Matthews, who had 126 targets for 85 catches, 997 yards, and eight touchdowns in a mess of a year. And 90% of that was from the slot! In 2014, their number one wide receiver was Jeremy Macklin, who had 143 targets for 85 catches, 1,318 yards, 10 touchdowns, and that player profiles much more like Torrey Smith. To drive the point home even more, Chip Kelly's first year in Philly saw Deshaun Jackson get 126 targets for 82 catches, 1,332 yards, and 9 touchdowns. My point is that Smith is the de facto number one wide receiver on the 49ers, and it's not even close. 
Someone else from the group of Bruce Ellington, Quentin Patton, Jerome Simpson, DeAndre Smelter, and Eric Rogers is going to emerge. But who and does it matter? In other words, who is the next Riley Cooper? Side note, it's probably Bruce Ellington. If Torrey Smith can prove to be more than just a deep threat, he is in for a massive season. Also, I would say the Niners have a less than 50% chance that the defense is going to be good. Due to their legendarily brutal schedule, I see a lot of trailing in their future, which is just fine for Torrey and not for starting running back Carlos Hyde, who is being hyped up quite a bit. Side note number two. Blaine Gabbert could be a real nice value as a replacement level QB, and he is certainly not being drafted. Prediction time. 85 catches, 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, and even if I'm inflating these stats, it's still amazing value for a 10th round pick or lower. Hopefully, by the time your draft start, that value is still there. All right, there you go. You can find my podcast, TJ Smith's War Room, on iTunes and Stitcher. Please feel free to follow me at WarRoomTJ on Twitter. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is the Falafel House special report on our fantasy breakout players. I'm Kevin Cotillo, and you can find me on Twitter or on the Fantasy Life app as at Wally Central. My breakout player for 2016 is rookie wide receiver Tyler Boyd, who was picked in the back end of the second round by Cincinnati Bengals. Boyd not only has the physical skills at 6'1", 197 pounds with a 4'5", time, and the college production as a first-team all-conference in both his sophomore and junior seasons, with a total of 169 receptions, 2,187 yards, and 14 touchdowns. But he also finds himself in a perfect situation alongside A.J. Green in a wide receiver core that just lost Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu. Last year, the Bengals completed 334 passes and threw for 31 touchdowns between Andy Dalton and A.J. McCarron, and A.J. Green certainly can't catch all of them. He and Tyler Eifert combined to be targeted 235 times of a possible 505 attempts. That means if the offense is relatively the same, and you remove the 85 targets to running backs, there should be upwards of 185 targets to be split between Brandon LaFell, Brandon Tate, and a bunch of guys you've never heard of. And of course, my boy Tyler Boyd. As I always say, the best results come from a combination of talent and opportunity, and Boyd definitely has both. And if you're playing PPR, which we all do, I think he has even more value. Currently with an ADP of the 75th wide receiver and 199th overall, I expect him to finish in the top 30 of wide receivers, so you can take him easily as a late-round flyer in most formats. Sal, who do you have breaking out this year? All right, so a guy I have coming out this year is, you know, he's not a rookie, but he only had one catch last year. This is uh, Sammy Coates out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Coates, when coming out of college, his NFL comparison in the NFL draft was Martavis Bryant. So how fitting is it that he gets an opportunity this year uh, that was vacated by Bryant's stupidity to step into this offense and possibly be the third wide receiver, and if with any luck, step up to be the number two wide receiver. He combines a speed, a 4-4-3-40 coming out of college with good size, 6-1-2-12. He finished his career at Auburn with a 20.9 yard per, per reception um, total. And in 2013, his average touchdown went for 54.1 yards. This offense needs a deep threat. He's the guy for the job. Wheaton has not shown the ability to get to get open deep and to make those the to stretch the field opposite of AB who's going to be getting double teamed. Like you said, Kev, one of the big things I look for in fantasy is is opportunity. His opportunity is right now. The coaches have spoken greatly about him in this offseason. Todd Haley says he's turned it up a notch. 
He's earned the coach's trust after intensifying his training. He'll definitely be a, a factor in Pittsburgh. They run a ton of three wide receiver sets. He's going 59th overall wide receiver, 163rd overall player, which in a 10-team means 17th round. 12-teamer, 14th round. Grab this guy late. If this guy turns into Martavis Bryant and you got him at that spot, absolute steal. Steve, who are you looking at? All right, so my breakout player for 2016 is also a rookie wide receiver and is the man commonly referred to as my binky, and that is Sterling Shepard, wide receiver for the New York Giants. I've said it before, all you need to do is go and watch his game tape from Baylor last season, and he shows you a little bit of everything that he can do. He's a slot guy, so he catches balls over the middle, but he can also catch balls on the outside. He can get over the top of cornerbacks and safeties. He's got great hands, even in traffic. He had 253 catches in college, only dropped the ball eight times. Weakness of his, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's just over 5'10", 194. He might have some issues getting off the line or uh, getting away from some of the bigger cornerbacks in the league, but that's about it. From the Giants' mandatory mini camps, he got reviews from OBJ saying that uh, Shepard's going to shock the world and he can pretty much do anything. He's got a great quarterback in Eli Manning who had 35 touchdowns last year, only one behind Tom Brady, tied for second in the league. And he's just got a great opportunity just like the other guys mentioned in this. So that's my breakout player for the year. All right, those are the Falafel House breakout players for 2016. You can check out the Falafel House podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and YouTube. And, of course, look for us on Twitter, at Falafel House. You can also follow Sal on Twitter under at Lido Sal and Steve under at Sid Ski. And until then, Steve, hit the button. Hey, 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 this is Mo and the Goo Father, D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com, and we're here today to talk about two fantasy football podcasts from Pyro. Now, D-Rex, you, sir, are the founding father of Pyromaniac, so tell the good people in podcast land about the Fantasy Football Fire podcast. Thanks, Mo. You know, we've been doing the Pyro podcast since 2011. We go super deep. We're not afraid to have a three-hour show. Myself, D-Rex, Houdini, Stag Party, Dogmatica, we give you the fantasy football goo, and it's, um, it's, it's just no holds barred. We're having a good time, throwing back some Valverde's, a.k.a. beers, and we're in, entertaining, you know? Isn't fantasy football supposed to be a good time? So I'd say overall with the Pyro Podcast, you're going to get unbelievable in-depth coverage on all teams, all players, all subjects. And, uh, you know, so far, we're one of the pioneers in podcasting. We've done almost 600 hours of fantasy football podcasting, being on air, and uh, it's a good time. So if you're looking for a new podcast, there's no reason not to give us a crack. That is the Fantasy Football Fire, and Pyromaniac also produces the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. Now, during the offseason, I primarily do fantasy football talks with some of the best and brightest in the industry. It's really 60 minutes of shooting the fantasy breeze. Past few months, I've had the pleasure of talking to Matthew Barry, Christopher Harris, Paul Chargian, guys like Sigmund Bloom and Evan Silva. I love hearing the various takes and philosophies from some of today's best and brightest uh, during the season. Record every Friday. We do the news and notes, status of players, favorable matchups. We're talking waiver wire pickups, streaming recommendations, and, of course, provide DFS picks as well. That's the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, folks, I'm just going to break right into the breakout conversation with one Mr. Charles Sims. He finished last season ranked 22nd in standard 
17th in PPR, despite having averaged less than 10 touches a game. Now, I sat down and I watched all of his touches from 2015 on Game Pass. Super quick feet. Very elusive. His eyes and his feet hook up incredibly fast. He's great at reading and anticipating where the hole is going to open up and then being there. Posted numerous jaw-dropping plays on limited work. PPR, he's currently going 8th round, ninth round standard. He's got value, even if you don't own Doug Martin. But now I will say this. He's similar to a D'Angelo Williams. If the guy in front of him goes down, I think you've got an automatic RB1 in fantasy. Plus, we've seen Doug Martin post two of four subpar NFL seasons. Last thing I'll say, Tampa boasts the easiest running back strength of schedule, according to the Pyromaniac.com draft kit. Brother D-Rex, what breakout candidate do you have your eye on this season? I'm going to go with Matt Jones, running back for Washington Redskins. I love the fantasy element of the Washington Redskins this year. He's going to be there every down back. I love his body at 6'2", 231 pounds. The kid's a violent runner. He finishes hard. Defenders, by the end of the game, aren't going to want to touch him. He can catch. He can run inside. He can run outside. Things I love about his opportunity. Alfred Morris is gone. Scott Irish Flew McLaughlin is the one who handpicked him. Scott McLaughlin is the guy who went out and got Russell Wilson, uh, Richard Sherman, and Cam Chancellor when he was uh, an executive for the Seahawks. This is also the guy that went and got Marshawn Lynch for his fourth and sixth round pick. Love that talent uh, execution. His rookie season, he played 339 offensive snaps at 490 rushing yards, three TDs, and one of the best catching plays of the season on 304 receiving yards. Caught 19 to 25 targets. The only negatives that people have against him is his fumbles. They'll fix it. The other thing is that Keith Marshall they drafted. That was a sixth-round pick. He's a project. He's got ACL issues. Matt Jones, that is your guy. All right, baby. From Charles Sims to Matt Jones, we've got Dante Moncrief. He's going in a sixth-round PPR, seventh-round standard. Now, it's difficult to look at last year as any kind of indicator what with the QB sticky situation we had in Indy. Moncrief last year scored six TDs. Five of those bad boys came in the seven games he played with Andrew Luck. In other words, folks, 33% of Luck's 2015 passing touchdowns went to Dante Moncrief. With T.Y. Hilton there, he's going to draw defensive focus, leaving a softer coverage for Moncrief to wreak havoc. We are talking 160 vacated targets in Indy from the departed Andre Johnson and Kobe Fleener. At 6 foot 2, 222 pounds, Moncrief is the only starting wide receiver over 6 feet tall. That means red zone target possible TD magnet, and that's where you can catch fantasy gold. Dwayne Allen is the only other pass catcher over 6 feet tall, and if Moncrief grabs double-digit touchdowns, which he was on pace to do when Luck was in the lineup, we could be looking at this year's Alan Hearns or Eric Decker. That is my dog, Dante Moncrief. All right, gang, you have just had a taste of what Pyromaniac.com has to offer. We are on all podcast stations. We've got a draft kit. You can find out information about becoming a Pyro Pro. All of that is available at Pyromaniac.com. We are a fantasy football company with soul. Hello and welcome. We're the Aussie guys. I'm AJ. Sitting next to me is G. How are you, G? AJ, got to be quick. Our brief three fantasy breakout players. So did you want to start with your one and then I'll hit you with mine and then we've got a joint one because there's the two of us here. So we had to negotiate on the third. Uh, my player, 
is Mohamed Sunu, Ooh. now playing for my beloved Falcons. Last year, Matt Ryan threw for 614 pass attempts. Now, one-third of those went to one player in particular. Julio Thank you, You didn't join me in the Julio. No, I like when you do it. Now, one-quarter of those left over from that one-third went to Devontae Freeman. Just under a quarter went to Jacob Tammy, who now has to compete with our new rookie tight end in Austin Hooper. Now, we also have a a second-year receiver in Justin Hardy. How many targets he's going to get? This is all just a guess. In 2015, Mohamed Sanu only saw 50 targets. Look look who he's competing against. He's competing against AJ Green, a Tyler Eifert that was running rampant. Geo. A Geo, Marvin Jones. So he had a lot of competition there. Now, Sanu will be filling the role, hopefully, of Roddy White. Unless I'm stating now that Sanu is no Roddy White. No. Mohamed Sanu does not equal Roddy White. But Roddy White, from 2008 to 2014, I'm not going to include 2015 because what we saw from Roddy White was not Roddy White. No. He averaged 148 targets. Very nice. So I'm not going to say Sanu's going to be Roddy White in that category, but at the moment he's ADP. He's a 54th taken wide receiver, and he's going at the start of the 14th round. Wow. So if you were looking for value, I believe that Mohamed Sanu this year will be just that. Oh, he could break in as a wide receiver three or something on your team or a flex. If, if you have him starting as a flex this year in any of those numbers close to what Roddy White was doing. Look, I really like it because it's, some, it's a player a little bit different. Someone's uh, people aren't necessarily talking about. And he's Very only nice. 26. It's not like he's just at the end of a career. 36. <laughs> Did I say 36? No, no, no. I'm saying it's oh. not like he's 36. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my player is... The Duke. I don't know if that's his nickname. Duke Johnson. Obviously, he was a rookie last year in Cleveland. He played 16 games last year. He started seven. He had 104 rushes and 61 receptions, but he finished the year as the 24th highest scoring running back. I'm not going to go right into all of the stats, but he played 562 snaps out of a total of 1,195, 47% of the running back snaps. Now... Coming into town, there's a new sheriff. Gee. They signed Peyton. No, they have, no, a different sheriff. A different sheriff. It's Hugh Jackson. He sees the Duke as an every down back. He's come out and said it. He also is really high on the Duke Johnson-Isaiah Crowell combination. Hugh Jackson in Cincinnati. Jeremy Hill had 794 yards and 11 TDs. And Geo had 730 yards and 49 receptions for two touchdowns. The Bengals were seventh in rushing attempts, and the Browns were 27th. So no matter what your opinion of the backfield is, there's definitely going to be an uptick there. And the other thing, as you sort of alluded to before, what else have the Browns got? If they can't run the ball, if they don't become a power running team, they're in a lot of trouble. (laughs) They really need to dominate on the ground. Our third one is... Jordan Cameron. Tight end for the Finns. Last year was a poor year for Jordan Cameron, but with Adam Gase now running the show yes. in Miami. So let's have a look. In the AFC Coaches Breakfast recently, Gase said he wants to experiment with Cameron. Now, last year he was targeted 17 times for only 35 catches, for only 368 yards and only three TDs. In 2013, which is not that long ago, 917 yards and seven TDs. Now, Gase has had some luck. With tight ends, and they're an integral part of his offences. Let's look at Julius Thomas, for instance. 
Orange Julius. 12 touchdowns in each of the years that Gase was in charge. Now, last year at Chicago, when Bennett went down, he even made Zach Miller somewhat fantasy relevant. And who had ever heard of Zach Miller before? Yeah, true. And he is the 16th tight end taken off, and he is going 13.07, judging by the fancy football calculator. Fantastic. All right, well, there you go. There's our three players. Uh, we're running short of time, G, so I'll just do a quick plug. Follow us at Aussie Guys NFL and check out our website, www.aussieguysnfl.com. Hope you enjoyed this little sampler. We'll catch you next time. Hey, everybody. I'm Hayden Gibson. I'm Jared Chastain. We're from the County Fantasy Sports. Jared, start us off. I'm going to kick things off with Theo Riddick. He has PPR still written all over him. He ranked 19th there last season, and it is a crime that he is being drafted as bench depth. Last year was his first full season as the go-to pass-catching running back of that offense. Came away with 80 catches for 697 yards. You look at that offense right now, the big thing that stands out, there's no more Calvin Johnson. This also bodes very well for Theo Riddick. There's no deep ball threat, so this offense is going to revert on these shorter routes and the dump-offs for the production. And Detroit also likes Riddick so much as a pass catcher that he's actually been working in the slot this offseason. He's also going to be a solid red zone threat this year. Once again, no Calvin equals no jump ball and no go-to touchdown target. They're going to continue to rely on these short and quick routes in the short field. Last year, Theo was very successful in that aspect. He was able to use his agility and elusiveness to get by the slower linebackers in the nickel corners. So it goes without saying the touchdowns opportunities should increase. He only had three last season. I expect him to get anywhere from six to eight. And now in terms of running the football, he only had 43 carries last season. Not really something you want to hear, but at the same time, it's going to get better. Uh, Reports have surfaced that he will be more involved in the run game this year. Head coach Jim Bob Cooter has been on record, and he has said he can be a really successful runner. Now when you look at the other running backs, you have Abdullah recovering from the shoulder surgery, also has a fumbling issue. Zach Zinner, we don't know much about. Dwayne Washington, we don't know how he's going to adjust. Steven Reilly, who hasn't been worth speaking of since 2012. There's no clear-cut runner in this offense, if you ask me. So I think Theo could easily see around 100 carries. If you add all this up, my prediction for Theo Riddick is he will end up being a top-10 running back in PPR, as well as a viable running back, too, in standard scoring. My guy's Isaiah Crowell. I think Hugh Jackson's going to work magic with this backfield. Duke Johnson's the exciting guy, the popular guy, the fantasy sleeper. Isaiah Crowell's going under the radar this year. I think that he fits that Jeremy Hill role a lot better than what most people think. I think he's a very talented back. He was the fourth-ranked running back in the nation coming out of high school. Signed with Georgia. Got into some off-the-field issues and ended up at Alabama State and was an undrafted free agent rookie in Cleveland. And still managed to get a, quite a bit of work. Hugh Jackson's the key, though. Hugh Jackson's offenses in Oakland and Cincinnati have ranked towards the top in rushing attempts, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. So I'm really buying into Isaiah Crowell. I think he could potentially flirt with the 1,000-yard mark and 10 touchdowns. And a guy that we both agree on is Dante Moncrief. Yes, Dante Moncrief, I'm standing by my statement that he is the most complete wide receiver on that roster. I think last year he gained the trust of the team and the quarterbacks on the roster, which is evident by the statistics on his third and long, third and seven and more yards to go. He had 24 targets compared to a guy like T.Y. Hilton, who's considered the number one target in this offense, who only had 12 in that situation. That's a big reason why I'm really feeling a breakout year coming for Dante Moncrief. 
What I like most about Moncrief is whenever you look at his numbers last year, he doubled production across the board in comparison to his rookie year, something you really want to see out of a second-year wide receiver. And Andrew Luck played in only seven of these football games. So if you get 16 games worth of Moncrief and Luck together, then I think it'll really put Moncrief in a position to become great. And you nailed it whenever you said he's the most complete wide receiver on the roster. He has the build to be a go-to touchdown option at six foot two, And also the chain mover, like you said, third and seven, third and 11. They're not looking to hit T.Y. on a fly. They're not looking to give it to Frank Gore. They're looking to move the chains, and Moncrief is that guy. And whenever you look at the formula that makes a wide receiver successful, it just flat out makes sense with Dante Moncrief. He's got a bad defense, which is going to put Indy in a deficit, thus making them more inclined to throw the football. They have a bad O-line, which will force Andrew Luck to look at a short route before looking at a deep route. And the offense is pass-heavy. So the volume appeal with Moncrief flat out can't be ignored. If this theory holds, I think Moncrief is really in line for a top 15 year. I have him just outside of my top 20, but he's quietly moving up. Soon he'll be above T.Y. Hill, most likely. And that's it from us at the County Fantasy Sports. If you liked what you heard, be sure to check us out at thecountyfs.com. Follow us on Twitter, at thecountyfs. I'm Hayden Gibson. I'm Jared Chastain. See ya. So welcome to uh, Foul Mouth Football's take on the three breakout players for your fantasy football season in 2016. Uh, for those unfamiliar with Foul Mouth Football, we're the podcast that's occasionally offensive, surprisingly informative, but always entertaining. So guys, uh, you know, I think the task we're, we're given at hand is to, to you know, do what, do what every person wants in fantasy football, what every owner wants, and that's to... Uh, be the one that picks that late round sleeper and they can brag about it for the entire off season. You look at last year, you had players such as Doug Martin that, you know, really was given up on by much of the fantasy football world. But for those that stuck with it and, uh, you know, drafted him late, he showed signs of his 2013 self and had a pretty big year. So in saying that, who are, who are some of the players that, you know, we have to pick three, which you know, should be enough. But we, we can bounce around some players. Who are some of the players that you think could be the, the breakthrough this year? A lot of experts and, and fanfare alike that believe the rookie Jordan Howard out of Indiana, uh, he's going to he's gonna eventually take over from Langford, uh, be the main guy in the Bears' backfield. I think that's one of your late-round bargains that you should uh, – I can almost guarantee in most leagues he'll be available in your last round. Go ahead and take him. I'm going with an IU football player. Damn. Um, I, I don't know if it counts as much of a sleeper. But the one appearing on everyone's name, you know, everyone on everyone's list is Matt Jones. Someone's got to run the ball in Washington. That's in a division full of pretty porous defenses. I, I think he's a guy that could, you know, replace Alfred Morris, who you said when he's younger had some consistent, you know, top 10, top 15 seasons. I think Matt Jones could be a solid RB2 this year. My favorite pick on this has to be Marcus Whedon. Um, I think with Martavius Bryant gone for the year, uh, he's going to be obviously the second choice for Ben Rosper. And. With AB being as hot as he's going to be, um, strong running game too. I, I feel like Marcus Weeden's going to get probably a few more picks just from you know the focus kind of being on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think there's a lot of you know potential sleepers on the Steelers this year. Uh, might be a bit presumptuous to put Titan on this, but you have him. You have uh, Ladarius Green. Plenty of points to go around this year. Um, two of the guys I like, both rookies, uh, are Duke Johnson for Cleveland. I know it's kind of taboo to draft, draft a uh, Brown in fantasy football, but I just don't see them having much success in the passing game. They've had success on the ground in previous years. Um, 
if Duke Johnson can win that backfield and, and get the carries, he can put up some relevant numbers. I think that's always been their problem in previous years. They had guys like Crowell and some others that would just split carries. And, and they'd have surprisingly good games, but it's just fucking hard to predict. Um, Paul Perkins is a guy on the, on the Giants that is, is a rookie, and I think he could, like I said, keep an eye on him preseason. Keep an eye on how he does work out. Keep an eye on what coaches say. I know a lot of it's just uh, – you know, coach speaking can't buy it, but if, if there's potential there to you know take a late round flyer on one of those two players, I think one of those guys could be the the rookie that everyone's talking about. You know, this time next year as as a player that they should have drafted. I do actually think I agree with you on Duke Johnson. Uh, you know, he's uh, coming into his second season with the Browns. I think he's actually a a brighter spot than Gary Barnage or Corey Coleman. Uh, I, I think he's he's the best thing. I, I, it's not very far-fetched to say, but I think he's the the brightest thing that Cleveland has right now. He showed a lot of promise in 2015. Uh, he didn't really have any fantastic games, uh, but he's a guy, especially in a PPR league, I think he's going to be a huge benefit there. Uh, he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a quick, shifty runner. I think he's going to take over the starting job this year and uh, really come into his own as a runner. Uh, you know, I, I like my pick um, with Howard out there in Chicago, but Tell you what, Duke Johnson's a guy that uh, if he falls into your lap, you've got to grab him. I think LeBron James is the brightest thing in Cleveland, just to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be one of those decisions that, oh, I'm telling you to draft a Brown now, and then in three months I'm saying, like, why did I fall for that trick again? Uh, that's usually a fantasy wasteland. So the three players that were, were poising for the breakthrough candidates for 2016 are Jordan Howard, Marcus Whedon, and Duke Johnson. We're skewing pretty young here, uh, but I mean, I think these are guys you'll be able to get for pretty cheap value. Uh, with the exception of Duke Johnson, you know, the other two players really aren't being talked about as much in some fantasy circles, and those are always the best, you know, the deep sleepers, the ones that are the Hail Mary picks, and and when you pick those guys and it's not the auto-drafting it for you and you turn out right, that's almost worth it, you know, itself, rather than having that stud, you know, top two round pick that you can actually be proud of having that, you know, late round sleeper. So, and the reason I'm recommending like, you know, rookies is it's just that much better as a fantasy owner. Like when you, when, if you, I don't know if any parents are listening to this, but I'm sure you're going to love your kid that much more when you actually, when you actually raise it, you know, from an infant to a kid, to a man, as opposed to some of these other sleepers that might be someone like Frank Gore, you might hear from these people say, yeah, you don't want to adopt like an 18-year-old. Sure, you might quote-unquote love him, like you love all your fancy players equally, but nothing's going to replace that one that you actually raised, you know, yourself and you actually had from the beginning. You pick you pick the rookie when they have no other NFL games to rely on, no other you know games to to analyze. That that makes you stand out in your league. Well, thanks for listening to our take. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can find us on iTunes at Foul Mouth Football. You can also find us on Twitter at FMF Pod. In a world filled with big sports companies and high-end production podcasts comes a group of guys who paid five bucks for this intro. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. All right, good evening, guys. Welcome to our podcast. Armando and I are taking a quick break from Pokemon Go. Dale's taking a quick break from the Kardashians and Scandal so we can bring you a little bit of fantasy knowledge. So we're going to be giving you some hidden gems in the draft, some guys you might not 
be targeting right now until we give you some stats. So let's start off with Dale DeMott. Dale, who's your guy that you're going to be drafting, your steal of the draft? Yeah, my steal of the draft this year is Tyrod Taylor. Uh, right now, he's going around 16th or 17th quarterback off the board, which I think is crazy. I have him at number 7. Uh, I'm not telling everybody to draft him at number 7. I understand your hesitation. But next couple things I'm going to talk about, uh, Just I just want you to know that he's worth starting from week to week, especially if you have somebody like Tom Brady. Uh, for instance, last year he started out, uh, game 1, he had 18 points uh, in standard leagues in, in the opening game. The next four games after that, he had nearly 26 points per game. Um, which was about the sixth best quarterback during that span. Uh, he got injured, of course, in week five. He missed a couple games, and he rested during the bye. But after that, uh, he struggled a little bit after the bye. But then weeks 12 through 17, he really showed us why he deserves to be drafted after uh, people like Andy Dalton, uh, Tony Romo, Carr, Rivers, people like that. During weeks 12 and 17, during that span, he averaged 25 points per game, and that was enough to be a top-five quarterback, um, just one-tenth of a point behind Russell Wilson. So... I highly urge you at least to look at Tyrod. Um, that's okay, pretty that's good. It. All right. Awesome guy, Dale. I think Tyrod is being very underdrafted in this, and you can get him very late. So, Armando, let's shoot it over to you. Give me the guy that you're going to be drafting late in your drafts that you think is an extreme value. Well, right now I'm looking at Isaiah Corral. He's currently going as 41st running back off the board, you know, behind the likes of Arian Foster, who's not even on a roster and high end handcuffs like Derek McFadden, D'Angelo Williams, and Derek Henry. Um, he's a starting running back in the NFL, Hugh Jackson system, where it last year featured Jeremy Hill and uh what's the other Gio. guy's name? Gio Bernard, Gio, Gio Bernard. <laughs> um and as we all know, Hugh Jackson loves to run the ball. He ran uh he runs the ball the most, the second most the past five years in the red zone. So uh, Isaiah Correll should should just go up in value. I mean, he's the number one running back on in that system. I mean, RG3 just arrived, and we all saw what he does for Alfred Morris, um, his golden years, his first two years. But, uh, yeah, Isaiah, I think he's a great value going as a 40, 41st running back. Could end up as a starter on someone's roster. So, Christian, who do you have? So I'm going to give you guys the real steal of the draft here, and that's Marvin Jones, who's currently going at wide receiver 38, 93rd overall off the board. Uh, comparatively to the other guy on the other side of the field, Golden Tate, who's going as the 24th wide receiver off the board and 53rd overall. Marvin Jones is coming to an offense in Detroit that has thrown the ball 600 or more times in four out of the last five years. They've been top four in pass attempts in four out of the last five years. And we've seen Jones be fantasy relevant before. We've seen him have a 10-touchdown season. We've seen him as a big play outside receiver just to give you some comparative stats, Marvin Jones, in an offense that he wasn't the feature receiver last year, had 25 less passes caught than Golden Tate and still had three more yards. He's coming into an offense which is losing Calvin Johnson between Tate and Johnson. They had 48% of the target share in Detroit. I see Marvin Jones stepping into a role where he's going to be extremely productive and he's being drafted very late. Well, thanks for listening, guys. That's been some of our stats. You can follow us at EatSleepFF on Twitter or visit our website, EatSleepFantasy.com, to get some more great knowledge from myself and Dale and, you know, Brown Armando. stuff that Armando brings. And uh, follow me at the No, Armando's we're not putting that in. Thank you. <laughs> all right, gang. That was the FF Mixtape Show. You are back with Pyromaniac Mo. We are closing out. The Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter. That is at 
Pyromaniac Mo. Check out what we've got going on over at pyromaniac.com and stay tuned because uh, if you liked this, we're hoping to do this collaboration again. Let your thoughts be known on Twitter. Use the hashtag FFMixtape. And, of course, you can follow links to many of these shows on Facebook. That's forward slash FF Podcast Network. Until the next time, we will catch you on the flip side. <music>